0: everybody, welcome into the Cubs Weekly Podcast presented by Wintrust, proud legacy partner of the Chicago Cubs, and exclusive home of Cubs Check. Open online today at Wintrust.com slash Cubs Weekly. Tony and Draghi here, joined by Andy Martinez. And Andy, this is my second favorite podcast we do
1: this year. Second, so what's first? I gotta ask. Whisper. All right,
0: no, that's fair. I'm glad you followed up. I was going to say it anyway, so I appreciate yeah. you teaming me up. First is the season preview. I okay, love yeah, that yeah. one. Yeah, season preview Bold predictions, fun. season preview. Yeah. There's just so much hype and excitement. But this is our fan mailbag question. So yeah. I always, always love fun. this. Yeah. I want to know. I always like knowing what the fans want to know about. And like we don't have all the answers, but yeah. like we'll do the best we can. And then there's also some fun ones in here that we always have a lot of fun with. Like last year we talked about we had uh, some Marvel and Star Wars questions and comparing, yeah. what was it, the 2016 Cubs to like Marvel superheroes. Yep, yep. So uh, this is always a lot of fun. So I, I'm looking
1: forward to this. And, and to your point too, like I, I like feel like when you're – like you and I are so invested in the team and in the granular every single day, you kind of forget like some of these, these things that we might think as obvious that fans really want to know. So that it is really fun to, to to do this podcast.
0: For sure. So let's get right into it. We have a lot of questions to answer. So right off the top, from Cassie Richards and then Broden 932, both on Instagram, uh, they asked variations of Cody Bellinger questions. So Cassie asked, "Do you think the Cubs should bring back Bellinger and why?" and then Brody asked are we going to re-sign Cody Bellinger. So India I'll, I'll lead it off with you first. I mean like should they bring him back I think is an easy one. We we both agree yes. But if you want to take either the why or are they going to re-sign if you want to take either of those and go from there.
1: So I think the why. I'll take the why and I think sure. yes, you have to re-sign. Like it's like You have to try at least. You have yeah, to try yeah. and I, I there's no doubt in my mind that they will be active in his in his re-signing whether they ultimately come successful, I don't know. Like free agency is so hard to predict. You don't you, you don't know if uh, team X might come out of nowhere and all of a sudden just start throwing stupid amount of cash. Like who would have thought Xander Bogarts would be going to to San Diego? Aaron Judge was pretty darn close to San Diego. Like who would have thought that last mm. year? Like you just don't know San what's going to San Francisco. Gonna, uh, San Francisco too. do yeah. no, know. San Diego is also oh, in the right, Aaron right, Judge right. conversation. But like what I'm saying is like you just don't know what's going to happen in free agency. Like. I could gladly hear, sit here and say, yep, Cody Bellinger's coming back, but you just, it's so hard to predict in free agents, and when you have 29 other, th- other teams going at it. Well, I,
0: remember that Albert Pujols, like, t- 13 years ago now, like, yeah. the mystery team was the Angels weren't connected at all, then, bam, he signs a huge deal with the Angels.
1: Right, exactly. Like, you just don't know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Like, eh, Bryce Harper to the Phillies didn't seem like a a, a, a thing when right. it happened, and now it's like synonymous like you you just don't know what's going to happen there's going to be a lot of interest from the cubs for cody bellinger cody bellinger clearly liked being here they need to bring him back just because it solves so much for them offensively gives them the left-handed middle of the order bat that they need it solves center field slash first base for the future really like it solves center field in the short term it probably solves first base for the for the long term it just makes too much sense not to bring him back if everything works out free agency though you just you just don't know
0: Yeah, right. I mean, we look at, and we've been doing this State of the Cubs position feature uh, on marqueesportsnetwork.com. But as we look at it, center field, first base, DH are all three question marks. Bellinger could slot in any of those three positions, play really good defense at the two that are on the field. But yeah, I mean, like a long-term contract, if you're going to give it to somebody, it would be a guy that you know a lot about. They know a lot about Bellinger. Mm It would be a guy that is revered and well-liked within every corner of the organization which he was. I mean, they they raved about him. Like, yep. I still remember in July when uh, when Jed Hoyer was asked about him and he a smile broke out of his face immediately and talked about how much he liked him. And, like, everybody from, you know, Tom Ricketts talked about how impressive a season he had to every teammate. Like, I still think that he was the most popular player in the Cubs clubhouse last season. Yeah, You know what he is. David Ross just talked all the time about how good of a baseball player he is, which obviously he is. He, I think you can really point now looking back as to, like, injuries and like a couple of swing mechanics and and issues that he faced the last couple years in la he's an elite level player and if he's 28 you know like you're if you're going to give a guy 200 plus million dollars he's a he's exactly the type of guy that you would want to could play multiple positions fulfill so many different needs on your team so yeah the why makes a lot of sense are they going to like you said really really difficult to answer like I already saw a rumor that the Giants will not be outbid for Yamamoto, the Japanese ace that's coming over and again we you know you mentioned like Judge and stuff like but Carlos Correa is supposed to go to the Giants and Judge is supposed to go to the Giants and like these things that like have not come to fruition in San Francisco like I feel like the Giants are going to be very very motivated. We've yeah. talked about this on the podcast. Bellinger makes sense roaming center field or even playing first base as they don't really have, you know, like a ton of options in those at those positions there like I could absolutely see the Giants making a big splash. The Yankees as well have already been rumored to be in on Bellinger. Like I don't think it's a situation where the Cubs can be outbid or cannot be outbid. I think they absolutely can be, and some team might, but yeah. I think it depends on what happens with Shohei. It depends on what happens with Yamamoto and maybe some of the other ancillary pieces, but Bellinger is a top three or at least a top five free agent guy this winter.
1: Yeah, I'd argue he'd be behind Shohei Otani's probably the second biggest free agent bat available on the market oh yeah definitely yeah. And, and and so and to your point like for all the external pressures that maybe cubs fans or the internal pressures that cubs fans feel in terms of like 2024 has to be a year that they're contending and, and being in the playoff spot like the giants are feeling that even more so because it's been a couple of years and they didn't have any like really like they were in the wild card race for a while but the cubs were in the wild card race until the penultimate day of the season like there's even more so pressure on the Giants to get these right, given get things right given how everything panned out for them. They didn't get Correa, they didn't get Judge, like they've been missing out on these big names. The Cubs at least got Dansby Swanson, so like they can kind of hang their head on like I'm not saying that they should be done, be happy that they right. got that, but like they have some recency recent success that allows them to to not feel this pressure of like you have to get a deal done where you're maybe bidding against yourself or, or, or overpaying just to, to land this one guy because things haven't gone your, your way recently.
0: And the Giants are a team that, you know, needs something, I think, to push them over the edge a little bit. Yeah. And, you know, they were just on the outside of the wildcard contention, obviously the Cubs as well. But, like, both of these teams, as we're talking about Cubs and Giants, could use a guy like Bellinger. And if the Cubs don't re-sign Bellinger, they have a lot of holes that they need to fill on the roster or in the lineup just yep. in terms of, like we said, center field, DH, first base, but really left-handed power um, and, you know, a middle-of-the-order bat that strikes fear into the opposing team. And this lineup, I think, impressed a lot of people and exceeded expectations this past season in 2023 here. But outside of Bellinger, there's not one guy that you would say, hey, this guy strikes a lot of fear into the opposing team or the other team game plans around or like how Bill Belichick you know in the NFL always tries to take your best player out your Stefan Diggs or your Justin Jefferson's or whatever right. else you don't have the type of guy in this lineup unless you add a you know re-sign Cody Bellinger or maybe make a trade. So that'll kind of segue into some a question by from Greg and a question from Pink Floyd 95. Pink Floyd asks besides trying to give Bellinger a bigger contract, what else do the Cubs need this offseason? Greg asks what's the priority at winter meetings for the Cubs? So I think, you know, at winter meetings are in general, and then what else they need to do? Like, figure out first base, third base, DH. Add center field depth because you don't know if Pete Crow Armstrong is going to be there. There's a lot of different things. But, like, to me, it's adding the left-handed bat, like, among the offensive positions. Adding a left-handed bat and adding a middle-of-the-order bat. I think those are super important aspects the Cubs really need to focus on.
1: Yeah, I think so, too. And the winter meetings are an interesting time because, like, especially we saw it last year, right, that's when the Cubs were able to, to, to get Jamison Tyron. That's when they were able to get... Um, Cody Bellinger that's when the framework for uh, uh, Dansby Swanson was kind of laid out and they had their meetings with him and they were able to sign him that's when some of the other big name phrases like I think we're getting back to where winter meetings is kind of things are going on and there's going to be action yes agreed like it was, was it 2018 or, or, or 19 when Bryce Harper and Manny Machado went all the way to spring training Whatever. Like, there was no action yeah. at winter meetings like the, uh, I think those that was like a one off and I think we're getting back to where winter meetings are going to be the the thing Maybe we do see Cody Bellinger signed by, by at winter meetings or around then maybe shortly after. like I think trying to solidify those answers of, to your point, what's third base look like, what's first base look like, and what's center field look like. And then after that, maybe that's when some of these ancillary pieces like the bullpen depth or maybe some rotation depth or whatever it might be kind of round out. I think you, you got to land the, the quote-unquote big fish first. Like You've got to be able to get an answer on Bellinger or whoever that next target might be like, I think that's where it all kind of starts laying out and, and, and really like the picture becomes clearer then.
0: Yeah, uh, you know, Shohei, we've mentioned him before, like that would solve the problem that I'm talking about, a left-handed middle of the order at bat, yeah. you know, and at DH, he's not gonna pitch next year by by all reports based off of the arm injury that he suffered again, but to if you sign him to a big deal and I actually expect the Cubs to be in that market, again, yeah. the other teams very well may outbid them for it, but like, why not go in the Shohei market you get a DH for 2024, and then you get a pitcher for 2025 and beyond, which then you'll need pitching for sure. You have Marcus point. Stroman
1: coming off the books from 2025, potentially Kyle Hendricks. Like mm-hmm. that, that makes sense.
0: Absolutely, and I think that's um, that's all important too. But like figuring out first base, as we mentioned, is a big one. Like Matt Mervis, we're not sure where he yep. goes from there. Center field, Pete Armstrong definitely do it. You need more depth, I think, behind him. Maybe that's just as simple as bringing back Mike Talkman. If not, Cody Bellinger. Canario Morrell, I think, are options in center. But third base is also an interesting one. Like, Madrigal has done really well, but can he stay healthy there? Hasn't played more than 90 games in a season, I think, ever in the big leagues, right? Yeah, I think it's so, 100
1: games. I think he hit 90 games. exactly this year. Okay,
0: so he hasn't played, you know, 100 games in, in the big leagues ever. So, like, that and then behind him, do you have, like, a Miles Mastroboni? Do you bring Patrick Wisdom, who we'll talk a little bit about later? Does Morrell play third? Like, there are some of these questions that they have to figure out. But, like, in terms of the priority, I do agree with you, too. Beyond adding at least one hitter, I think it's, it's the pitching staff. And you mentioned Stroman, too. Like, re- figuring out whether he's going to return, you'll figure that out less than a week after the World Series if he opts back. In, or if he doesn't opt out, I guess. He doesn't have to opt in. Right. So, if he doesn't opt out, he very well could opt out. He has a $21 million contract for 2024. So, you figure that out. If he does opt opt out you have a or a rotation spot you got to figure out and I think too for Hendricks there's a 16 million dollar option for next year but I think and Jed already kind of alluded to this is like figuring out a multi-year deal for Hendricks makes a lot of sense they believe in him as a person he's so so valued inside that clubhouse and in that rotation as a veteran presence figuring out a multi-year deal I think for Hendricks is important and then like we said the Stroman aspect and you know if you don't have Stroman then who's in the rotation is it Assad do you sign somebody else what do you do
1: yeah, and, and and the rotation to me is could either be the biggest non-question of the offseason, or it could be the biggest question of the offseason. Yeah, like, that's a good point. Like, if Kyle Hendricks, probably safe to assume he's going to be back in some capacity. What 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 that looks like, we don't know exactly in terms of contract, but it's pretty safe to say he'll he'll come back. Marcus Stroman's the the total wild card, right? If he comes back, you like I said, like that's pretty safe as you mentioned. If he doesn't come back then do you go into like maybe the higher end of the free agency market and starting pitching or whether it's like a Yamamoto who's coming over from Japan or, or, or Nola, like or Blake's now, like do you go into that kind of Jordan category. Montgomery, yeah. yeah or, or to, to sign them knowing that like you'll you're going to need that help in 2025 anyway, or there, do you maybe go to some of the, the second tier, which might be like a Jack Flaherty or guys like that, where like they might be on prove it deals, Lucas Giolito, where you, you, you Provide some depth, but it also doesn't hamstrung you, hamstrung, hamstring you. hamstrong you for future years.
0: Yeah, for sure. And um, so I, I'm. I like the way you put that. Like the rotation could either be a huge question mark, or of the offseason or a very like simple, a simple path forward. I think. Yeah. And the Stroman, it hinges on him quite a bit for sure. Yep. But I think even beyond that, like the bullpen is an absolute necessity this yeah. winter. They need to add multiple arms preferably multiple veteran arms who have pitched in high-level situations, you need more depth. You yeah. don't have enough depth in the system this past year proved that. And then also even beyond that, like beyond performance, there's injuries that have come yeah. into play. And the Brandon Hughes injury and uh, Keegan Thompson was both ineffective and missed a month to a back injury and a bunch of different things. Cody Hoyer returning and you know everybody was thinking maybe they'd be able to count on him and then break his elbow. Like There's a lot of issues there. And we just saw it down the stretch. I mean, Adbert was on the IL. Uh, Lighter was banged up at times. Weather's had one healthy season in his big league career. Like you can't always bank on all of these things. So I think adding a bunch of guys and adding a surefire left-handed reliever, maybe that is Drew Smiley. Maybe that's putting him in the in the bullpen for sure. But making sure that you have that and are not just relying on Lighter against lefties or uh, Brandon Hughes or Luke Little or somebody else coming up through the system.
1: It's the most volatile position group in baseball. The, the bullpen, right? Like for as great as Meriwether, Adbert, and, and Lighter looked uh, in 2023, they're like, there's no guarantee all three of them are going to come back and be the same exact thing. So, like, you'd need that depth option for that reason too. And and I I think this, this is a market that necessarily, like, at winter meetings, you're not going to know, like, okay, this is what the bullpen's probably going to look like on opening day. Like, Michael Fulmer didn't sign until spring training camp had already started. I think it was, like, a week or two in in, in February. Like, I think that's one, if you're a fan, like, if you see, you know the Cubs need bullpen help and it's January and they've maybe only signed, like, one or two arms, like, yeah. don't panic. Like, the, that's kind of a slow-moving market. That's not as a high priority as, like, trying to bring back, like, a Cody Bellinger, things like that.
0: For sure. And, and, and I mean, I think, the, so the Cubs added Merriweather, Boxberger, Fulmer last year, three veterans. I would not be surprised if they add five this right. winter. Yeah, you yeah. Know? And maybe not all on big league deals or – Maybe it's not all in free agency, or maybe they acquire one in trade. or waiver Mark Leiter Jr. was
1: technically a minor league deal True. at yeah. the beginning of this season.
0: Yeah, minor league deals for for relievers definitely are, are something to keep an eye on, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, stay tuned to that, but I think either way, bullpen is is a huge need for them. Uh, moving on here, so Austin asked, Realistically, who do you think the Cubs will pursue and sign in the offseason? And Cubneck asked a similar question, Will the Cubs be active in free agency for impact players or depth types? So we'll kind of answer that last one first. For me, I think they are definitely be in the market for impact players, yeah. but to me, I think there's like three guys on that list in terms of impact. It's Cody Bellinger, Shohei Otani, and Yamamoto coming over from Japan. Yeah. I think those are the three impact players that they'll really be in the market for. Like, I don't see them shopping in the Aaron Nola or Blake Snell realm, uh, just be unless maybe Stroman does opt out, they really feel like they need it, or the market for like Nola, because he's coming off a little bit of a tough season. If that depreciates a bit, I don't know. But those are the three guys that I really see the Cubs being in the market on, being rumored to be in the market on. Uh, other than that, I do think it's a little bit more of depth, maybe a starting player here or there, big big arms in either the the bullpen or you know a fifth starter type of thing. But like, I don't see them shopping at the top of the market in first base, at shortstop, or whatever. Like one guy we did mention, though, Andy, maybe it's a good place to talk about him is Reese Hoskins. Is like. Yeah. If you lose out on Cody Bellinger, you don't really have a great option at first base. Jamer Candelario is an option at either first or third. Reese Hoskins coming off an ACL injury didn't play a regular season game for the Phillies. maybe he would be an interesting guy who's going to be a free agent.
1: He's an interesting guy I believe it was uh, per 162 splits it was like 34 home runs 98 RBI like 36 98, 36. Yeah. Yeah, yeah like that that kind of production is you you would take that in a heartbeat in the middle of your lineup. The AC injuries was kind of scary, right? And, and playing first base, where you're kind of moving a lot and on your feet a lot, like it, it's a little, it's a little worrisome of like what that could look like.
0: And he's never a great defender, right? Yet.
1: Right. So like, there's already that question mark for a team that's been predicated on pitching and defense. Uh, he was, I think, had the Phillies made it to the World Series, he probably would have been on the World Series roster, a la Kyle Schwarber in 2016. Nice. Yeah. Would he have had that impact? We don't know, but like. That, that would have maybe changed the, the perspective of what you were getting. You really don't know what you're getting coming off an ACL and, and a season of not playing. He'll be thirty one uh next season. Mm-hmm. So you, you you it's just a big question mark. If Cody Bellinger doesn't return, yeah that, that whole first base is is pretty pretty big and you don't there's not a clear option in free agency. Like Reese Hoskins does become a very interesting guy. Outside like outside of that though outside of Reese Hoskins it's like like Brandon Belt, which is mm-hmm. an older guy who's got a lot of question marks around him. Carlos Santana, like there's a lot of guys that you're kind of like. There, there's no confidence necessarily in that in that first base market. And
0: they tried that last year with the Eric Hosmer, Trey Mancini, route, right. which I think was uh, we all at saw the time where their it was a great, was coming. yeah yeah, yeah it, was, it just didn't work out
1: right 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 and and like that's so that's the thing is like when you know you're going to contend next season, do you really want to go in with like these like. Well, if this works out and then this works out and then this works out. I think you can go into the into the season with maybe like one or two of those guys. But if you have like three, four, five of those guys at key positions where you're like, Well, if this guy works out, I don't know if you're really much better than you were last season.
0: For sure. And I think the Mervis question is a big one because at this time last year we yeah. thought maybe he would be up, you know, Hosmer maybe keep keeping first base warm until Mervis comes up. That is how it played out. And the Mervis really struggled struck out a lot, struggled against lefties, just didn't perform the way uh, anybody really would have liked to have seen. Goes down to the minors, never comes back up. And yeah. you know he's gonna be 26, Like he doesn't seem like a guy that is gonna be the first baseman of the future, at least right now. Things can change, we absolutely don't know what it holds, but as you said, going into next year where you uh, intend to contend, you have no depth behind him except for Patrick Wisdom and Jared Young, essentially. So like, making sure that you add a first baseman in some capacity is a huge, huge key. Maybe it's as simple as bringing Jamer Candelaria back who can play third and first. Like, it could be something like that. But another thing with Hoskins that we talked about with all the questions with his coming off an injury, not the best defensive first baseman, he's another right-handed bat. And the Cubs need a lefty, as we've already discussed. And, like, to add another righty in the middle of the order to take up a first-base spot where you could easily pencil in a lefty, or maybe not easily, but it's easier to pencil in a left-handed hitter. It's it creates a little bit more right-handed heavy splits, which is what you already are seeing from this lineup. So um, that's difficult. It's difficult to see that. And then a guy we've talked about too, Andy, is Matt Chapman, and and our carling Lance Brodzowski liked that. He said earlier in the summer he like had this dream twenty twenty four. Lineup and it included Matt Chapman in it. I thought it was a very valid and it still is a very valid thought. Yeah. Chapman's an elite defender. He's worth three and a half WAR last year, four WAR before that, you know, a couple years before that in Fangraphs. But this is a guy who hit 205 with a uh, 659 OPS from May 1st on. I don't know what kind of contract he's going to be seeking, but it'll probably be a little rich for what the Cubs are looking for when they already have a pretty good defender in Magical at third too. Yeah,
1: you mentioned it. You look up his numbers. He had a great April. Really, really good April. 1150 OPS, 214 weighted runs created plus. After that, uh, 659 OPS, 84 weighted runs created plus. So he went from elite, elite uh, offensive player to below league average the rest of the year. And when you're looking at a player, do you take one good month or to evaluate him, or do you take five months of a season? Like That's kind of what you're mm-hmm. evaluating. And yes, he brings in great defense, but if the contract is really high, the defense from Nick Magical was pretty solid. And if you can bring back a Jamer Candelaria or Cody Bellinger, does Matt Chapman really make sense? Maybe not. Maybe that struggle craters his market a lot to where teams aren't willing to pay what he's seeking or what, what his agent and him are trying to work for. Does the market crater where maybe it's a, a one year, two year prove it deal a la Cody Bellinger. And it makes sense for the Cubs. Like maybe then in that yeah. situation, then maybe it, it is a really good fit for both parties, but you just don't again for agency. You just don't know. And, and, I don't think he's as clear cut of an answer at third base as as you would think. Like I, I think there's just too many question marks about the offensive profile to suggest that like you sign him, your offense goes up, your third base improves. Like I don't think that's a guarantee by any means.
0: For sure. Yeah. And I I guess my hunch is like he ends up getting a multi-year deal just because yeah. that defense is there. He's a little bit on the younger side. I think he's twenty eight. So uh yeah, that certainly I think is gonna be something that's kind of out of the Cubs range. But then you look around. I mean, JD Martinez is an option at DH. Really good year with the Dodgers. Obviously, has a really good, strong track record. But he's 36, 37 years old. Another right-handed bat. Another guy who's essentially DH only right now. You have Christopher Morel, a 24-year-old. You know, he's going to play next year, at 24, and like at DH. Not that they have the same production, but like. If I'm going to bet on somebody next year offensively, I might bet on Morel out of JD Martinez. Actually, like,
1: and it's, know, a, it's a cheaper contract. Like, that's you're saving some true. against yeah. the luxury tax. Like, uh, you, the Cubs probably will go over the luxury tax, but still, like, every dollar counts, right? And if yeah. you're getting the same, if all things are equal, you'll take the cheaper option. Like, and you kind of have to assume to a certain extent that maybe Morel doesn't have a defensive position next year, and he is your DH. So, like, you, you like, do you really want to sign another DH like JD right. Martinez?
0: Right, for sure, and um I think we've we've spoken about this too, but David Ross really likes having the d h as sort of a rotating role where you yeah. can get some guys half days off, like Ian Happ can get a half day off, and you could put a canario in left field or whatever it may be. So I think he would prefer to operate that way versus having a guy who is locked in all the time at d h then again, if you sign a guy like J d Martinez like you want his bat in the line of all the time, so you'd want that right uh, again, I don't see that as realistic, so let's talk about some realistic options like Austin asked. Guys out there, Michael Brantley, Joey Gallo, Jesse Winker, Corey Dickerson, you mentioned Brandon Belt, all left-handed hitters, all who probably are going to be, end up signing one-year deals, either because they're a little bit older, you know, guys like Brantley or Belt, um, or guys, you know, coming off injuries or, or lack of performance, like Jesse Winker, tough year, Joey Gallo, tough year, uh, Brantley as well didn't play that that many games, it only had like less than 30, or like 20 yeah. games, something, whatever it was, for the Astros, and So I think those guys could all make sense as like a DH option or maybe defensively like Brandon Belt at first base. And then, you know, some, some other depth arms in the rotation, but I think in the bullpen is where like a lot of realistic options are out there. And uh, CJ Edwards, Pierce Johnson, Andrew Chafin, all former Cubs who are all potentially going to be free agents. I think Chafin has like a $7 million team option from the Brewers. I really cannot see that. I can't see the
1: Brewers paying that. Yeah.
0: So I expect he'll be a free agent and, I just think there's quite a few options. I know you like Ronaldo Lopez, Jorge Lopez is out there, Emilio Pagan. Like, there's quite a few guys out there that I think would be on on one, maybe two year deals that would help the Cubs bullpen.
1: Yeah, there's there's so many. I'm looking at all these names, like especially the left handed market, like yeah. Will Smith, Wandy Peralta, Matt Moore, Brent Suter. That Brent Suter would have made a lot of sense at the trade deadline. I, I, it, it, it clearly the market wasn't there for the Cubs to to go for him. Maybe now is a chance you can you can get him the, the left-handed relief option is, is really, I mean, it, it was, it was non-existent for the Cubs in the off season last year. And, and now to, to be able to have a chance to kind of correct that maybe Chaffin's market, isn't because of how much he struggled the last year or two, like maybe that is a realistic option. There's some comfortability here knowing that he's been here knowing that he's worked with the pitching department here. Does that really help? Does that, does that help convince him? And maybe that's a, a, a good option. Like, you, you, as we talked about, like you need multiple options. There's a lot of names that we've put on this list. Yeah. That if you sign three or four of these guys, in addition to maybe some other guys that are non-tender guys or uh, you, maybe minor league free agents, we saw like Nick Birdie was a real Five draft. Like mm-hmm. maybe that makes things that kind of helps solidify your bullpen a little bit.
0: And I think one area, and you brought this up, is adding a veteran catcher, probably a guy in the minor league deal. Yeah, yeah. Manny Pena is a name you threw out which you know a defensive first catcher. I think look for the Cubs to do something like that as well because yeah. Jan Gomes and Miguel Amaya are the two guys under contract but I think they need some more depth especially to stash in AAA. So those that's are what some... they did with Dom Nunez
1: last year. Absolutely as, a, as an example. Yeah, yeah, for
0: sure. And so like I think those are the realistic options in uh in free agency that we see the Cubs kind of pursuing. Again, there's no guarantee that they're going to it's just more of like Andy and I's thoughts on on this so far. But we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're gonna talk about potential trade packages for some big names out there. And we're gonna have some fun with uh, some of those yearbook uh, most likely two type of things that we had some questions about. So stay tuned for that.
1: You've got the jersey, the ball cap, the foam finger. Everyone can see you're a Chicago Cubs fan from a mile away. Ready to take your look to the next level? Upgrade your wallet with an exclusive Cubs debit card, which you can get when you open a WinTrust Cubs checking account. With no monthly fees, free ATMs nationwide, and a $300 bonus when you open your account. Start showing your Cubs pride with every purchase. Sign up at wintrust.com slash cubs. Only $100 required to open. No monthly minimum balance and no monthly maintenance fees. Member FDIC and Equal Housing Lender. All
0: right, welcome back into the Cubs Weekly Podcast Mailbag Edition. For Andy, I'm Tony here. So Andy, let's talk about some potential trade packages. We had uh, Mystery VM, I don't know, whoever that was, asked about uh, potential trade packages for Juan Soto and Pete Alonzo. And uh, Mr. Archer also asked for the same thing, for a trade package for either Juan Soto or Pete Alonso. We, uh, this is not my strong suit. I feel like coming up with trade packages is really, really difficult because yeah. I don't know for sure how other people like outside the organization value Cubs prospects or what it would take to get a guy. And I think these two particular players are really difficult because both of them are free agents after next season. So you're not going to want to give up a ton, but if you – to pull the Matt Olson thing, like what the Braves did. you, you trade for a guy and immediately send him a new extension. That would make a lot of sense. You'd obviously have to agree to that in principle before the deal. So I think this is really difficult. But Andy, as we were talking about this before, like I feel like we got at least a few names who are interesting here.
1: yeah, it's and like if you're a Cubs fan, like you're gonna hate hearing some of these names, but like like the frank, the the fact of the matter is like when you're making a trade of this magnitude, like, you have to include something that the other team is going to like. Yeah. yeah. Like you have to think of it from the other perspective. Like you had to put on the Mets fan hat and think of like, what would you want? And maybe their ass are unrealistic. So you find it in the middle. And I think we both agreed you on start
0: with guys who are off limits first. Yes. Okay. That's uh, a good, that's a good spot. Yeah. So like, quote Qual- some Cubs fans. Yeah. So
1: thing. like three names that we both kind of agreed on, like these guys are, they'd have to be absolutely blown away with some crazy, like maybe like Mike, Tra- I don't know. Like I'm trying to think of something yeah. crazy. Like, these guys are probably the untouchables. Where it's PCA, Kate Horton, and Matt Shaw. Like I think those three are clearly like those guys are aren't going anywhere. Most likely in any deal, those are, those guys are aren't there. And then maybe right behind them are Owen Casey and Ben Brown. Like I think those two guys are probably not. Again, the right deal. Maybe you include them. Those are the the, the five guys that we didn't. So mm-hmm. when you're looking at a Juan Soto, Pete Alonso deal, I think the first name that comes to both of our minds was Christopher Mora, mm-hmm. uh, a young controllable player. Has a lot of home run. Has major league experience. Um, is versatile in terms of position. You can, if you have a need somewhere, maybe you can fit him in that spot. Train him to be in that spot. Kevin Alcantara. I think I, I've told you this. I, I've said it uh, to other people before. I think there's a chance he could be the the Cubs' best prospect in their system, but I think he's also the most volatile. Like I think there's yeah. there's a lot of uh, question marks in terms of his game overall that. Uh, you don't know what he could be, but I, I also think that also makes him intriguing for another team if you want to trade for him.
0: And then there's also the fit with Alcantara, right? I mean, you have Ian Happ locked down for the next three years, and and so, so Suzuki in right field as well, and theoretically and, PCA
1: in mm-hmm. center field. So it's like, where does he fit? Like maybe he doesn't fit anywhere. Yep. So so I think the center the centerpiece kind of revolves around those two, if not both, probably both, and then maybe you include a third ancillary piece uh, and. Some of the names that we came up with, like is a Matt Mervis in that, in that deal, especially like in Pete Alonso's case where the Mets clearly would probably want a first baseman, young, controllable. Maybe that's an option. Luis Vasquez is a really good defender, reached AAA, had a breakout campaign offensively. Uh, uh, Alexander Canario, another guy with some mm-hmm. pop, out, outfield help. And then Javier Asad. Um And you had the, the better explanation on this. I'll let you do it. But that, I thought that was a really intriguing name.
0: Yeah, I think he is because I think you have great value and you're not going to trade guys like Caleb Killian or Hayden Wisniewski or Keegan Thompson who are all kind of those like bubble type players who could be in the bullpen or be in the rotation, younger guys on the 40-man roster big with the experience already. You're not going to get much in value for the <clears throat> excuse me for those guys right now. For aside, I mean this is maybe his peak value, maybe not because yeah, he's been really don't really impressive start so far, but you would be trading him at really good value and I feel like for any deal, a lot of days, you kind of <clears throat> excuse me, have to give up a pitcher, too. Like, it'd be really hard to acquire a position player of these guys' magnitude and never give up an arm in return. So, <clears throat> excuse me, I think for, like, Assad, it makes a lot of sense because I don't know that there's a scenario that he's in the rotation to begin next year. For a team wanting to contend, you already have Steele, Tyone, uh, probably Hendricks, very possibly Stroman, and then you have Drew Smiley, who's under contract for about $10 million dollars you have Jordan Wicks, you have some of these other guys that are out there, like Ben, ben, ben,
1: ben Brown, Brown is an option. Out. Kate like, Horton theoretically could be an option. Like,
0: like I don't know how, that Assad beats all of these guys out and is in the rotation. I think the most likely course of action, unless there's a, some injuries in spring training, is he's in the bullpen again, as like a long reliever or a swingman type of guy. And so if that's the case, then maybe you would want to trade him away. So that's just my thought. I, I, I can't say for sure like where the Cubs think on that, but if I'm the Mets, for example, like I would be asking for a guy like him in return, because you know he could start, you know he could relieve, you know he could do a bunch of different things and be a really valuable swing man. But yeah, I, I think you know starting with with like a Morel or Alcantara makes a lot of sense, and then it's in the Cubs, the ball would be in the Cubs court to like try to sign these guys to an extension. Uh, if you if you knew for sure that you were signing him, maybe you'd be more willing to give up a little something else. But I I still I agree with you that like PCA and Horton Amir and like the top two. And then Shaw was just so impressive already in his first professional half season. Yeah. That it'd be really, really tough to like be like, yeah, we'll get rid of him for sure.
1: Yeah, like I think he starts the season in AA. If he does well, like I don't think it's out of the realm possibility that come twenty twenty four, he's in the big leagues at some point. He's like the Nico path. Right, right. Like, and I think that was a comp immediately when he was drafted. Was like it seemed like it was a Nico Horner, a little bit more pop, and it was only two months, but the, the early yeah. returns are very very favorable in that regards but to your point i want to go back to your, your point about uh, you always get pitching depth yeah. i think about the the cubs trades at the 2021 trade deadline they got a pitcher in every deal except for the pca deal mm-hmm. like uh, in in the chris bryant deal they got caleb killian in the anthony rizzo deal they got uh um Viscaino oh, he, right. he, yeah. he didn't he, he 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 was released and and, and the, he never panned out but it was a, it was an arm that was was in that deal like there's always some sort of arm that you kind of have to give up uh, in in any sort of big deal like this. We got Ben Brown for ben David Robertson right? And yeah, like a uh, Saul uh, Gonzalez for for Michael. G- like it, mm-hmm. it, 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 you just need you just need arms to, to include in these packages.
0: Yeah, for sure. So that'll be really interesting. Um, I don't necessarily think it's super likely. I know our friend Bruce Levine has already broke the PL lines of news that they'll be interested. I think absolutely the Cubs should be interested right. in these guys for sure. Um, but I don't know how likely that is. Although I do think that a trade is very possible yeah. this winter, and it's something we've been talking about for a bit. Cubs have a lot of – they do have a lot of depth, and they have a lot of depth that is on the brink of the big leagues. And I think there's they're running out of positions now, and they don't necessarily have depth at first base or third base, the positions that we've talked about necessarily needing, or even really at DH. But, like, they have some outfield depth. They have some overall depth of, of guys who are potentially going to be out of options soon. And JJ asked on, on Twitter, "What is who is one player that would be traded that will be a surprise?" So I do expect I would not be surprised if the Cubs make a big trade this winter. I expect them to maybe make even some smaller deals. One guy you brought up that I thought was really interesting a couple weeks ago is that could be dealt this winter is Christopher Morrell. I think the lack of position is really an interesting point here. He you you figure pretty good value out there, like you said, controllable young player definitely like has some upside. I don't know that, I doubt that we've seen the best of Christopher Morel, but because there's no positional defensive home, I I wonder if they could like tease him out there, dangle him out there, maybe see if like Jose Ramirez is available in Cleveland or in these Soto or Alonso deals, maybe try to get a big bat in the middle of your lineup.
1: Yeah, it's and J.J. asked which is who will be one player that yeah. will be traded, and we're not saying Christopher right, is going to get traded. Right. Like could be, but we're, like I think that would be like the big one. That I think if, if if it happens, I I would not be totally surprised. It might come to a surprise to maybe some some fans and things like that. But you're right, Christopher Morales, um it, It's so much versatility, so much option, which is what it also makes him appealing to the Cubs, right? Mm-hmm. Like that you could maybe you you train him all offseason to play third base or. Or to play center field, or maybe even for he took reps at first base in, in, in before games. I think that low key makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Like, may, like maybe there is some sort of fit there. Like, but at the same time, like when you're trying to win, do you really take a, a risk defensively like that? As much as as great of a year as, as a hitter could be as a hitter, like do you really take that risk over over a proven commodity that you could get in a trade? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. Like maybe that is that that is the path that they choose to take. Um, I think another guy that we both mentioned was Alexander Canario. To, to to what we talked about earlier, there's so much redundancy in the outfield. Uh, Alexander Canario is a guy who he might get a fourth option year, so he he should still have options next year. But after that, like then you're you're kind of forced to ride him in 2025 and beyond. And mm-hmm. again, is your left? He's not going to be your left fielder of the future, probably or right field, just given your situation right now. He's he's not really a center fielder, so where does he fit? You really is it, it might be like Nelson Velasquez where it's like it's a really nice piece to have, but maybe it nets you something really nice in return.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. I think I would not be surprised at all if Canario is traded uh, traded away for any future assets at some other position on the field, like we said, or the centerpiece of some deal. Um, I think he's a very intriguing player, but there just doesn't seem to be room for him on this roster moving forward. So I definitely agree on that. Um, moving on here, so Alex Hutchinson as. What could the Cubs have done better this year we've talked about this quite a bit and and I don't think we need to get in a super long conversation but but I think my big thing that I would always point to is like the fade down the stretch was the bullpen they didn't yeah. have enough bullpen depth I think they looked tired on the field uh Dansby Swanson he, was very self-critical about how he struggled throwing his score in position you know there were key, some key errors by him or sayo Suzuki or Nico Horner at various points uh but I, I think it was the bullpen and then Jed Hoyer just kind of pointed to, and we'll touch on this more in a bit on the next question, but just struggling in clutch situations. Like, this team just didn't come through in big moments.
1: Yeah, and 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 it happened not just in September. It gets heightened in September, yeah. rightfully so, just given the, the magnitude of those games. But in May, it was these same issues where you think about it. If you go back and, and you win one or two more games in May during this tough stretch, who knows? Like, hey, maybe they beat out the Diamondbacks, and maybe it's the Cubs preparing to play the Texas right now in the world. Like, you don't yeah. know, and and so it's it's having that consistency year-round for me too is like you can't afford to really have a lull like you did in may i don't even want to call it a low because it was an extended period where it really looked like they were going to be sellers like the consistency throughout the year whether it's whether it's uh through pitching you're starting pitching or, or your bullpen like i think that is what ended up hurting them that when it did happen again in september uh it went from maybe you went from losing the division and getting in the wild card to going from the wild card to not even getting in.
0: Yeah, for sure. And uh Austin asks how do you deal or how do you improve in big situations? I think that's kind of what he meant. Uh like if you need an RBI to tie the game or just get on base and that goes back to the clutch situations that we were talking about with yeah. Jet identified throughout the year and he had a good quote at his end of the end of season press conference, just talking about how they, they struggled in every clutch situation, both on pitching and defense. He said uh and he said he felt like September was playing like May again. But like then he was saying that if, towards the end of the year, he said it felt like we stopped having those big moments and getting those big hits. We stopped shutting down rallies late in games. There's so many different factors. I think whenever you have a, a terrible stretch like that at the end, we were 2-8 and eight or in one run, two run games after the Giants series. Whenever you have that, there's so many different factors you can point to. And he said that he spent a lot of time thinking about what they could have done differently. I remember asking David Ross the same thing. Like, how do you improve in one and two run games and really close games? And, and Ross thinks that it's, it's a skill and it's a skill that you try to acquire and learn. But this is not a roster packed with a bunch of young guys who haven't been in this situation. Like, yeah, Nico Horner was in a slightly different situation in terms of a pennant race, but he played in a pennant race in 2020. Very different, but still. He also played in 2019 when he first came up. You know, and, and he's played competitive baseball the last couple of years. Dansby Swanson, Cody Bellinger. Like Ian Happ, these guys have, have certainly been around. Jamison Tyone, Marcus Stroman, Kyle Hendricks, like all of these guys have pitched or played in big situations. So it was a pretty veteran laden group. Jan Gomes as well. Like, I, I don't know that it, was, that it was always necessarily a skill. I think that there's a little bit of luck, honestly, and a yeah. little bit of randomness involved in the game. And I think it happened at a really bad time in September. But from, like you said, about the first week of June or so, all the way throughout, like after the Angels series, up until the the jays series there's like 3 months where they were clutched they were performing in high leverage situations like they had improved and turned things around it was just a dr jekyll and mr hyde type of season where they were really good for the first couple of weeks struggled for a month plus really good for 3 months struggled for 3 weeks like it was just like you don't just see that like yeah. vacillation in teams all the time i just anticipate they're going to be more consistent by sheer randomness next yeah. year yeah
1: yeah i think so too and uh, like i look conversely at some other teams like the marlins were insanely good in one run yeah. games does that mean they were significantly 31 more and 12 i think right what does that mean they, they were more clutch than the cubs i don't think so like I, I like if you look at their lineups next to each other which one would you take you still probably take the cubs lineup over the 2023 cubs lineup over the marlins 2023 lineup uh just from from a pure the eye test mm-hmm. so there is a lot of randomness and luck involved. And if you go back and think like one of those games in Miami that were all one run games that the Cubs lost, if one of those goes the Cubs way, maybe they're in the playoffs. The Diamondbacks series in, in Arizona where uh, the ball hits off of Hayden Wozneski's arm and it falls yeah. and then they win like, if that one goes a foot to the left and Dansby Swanson is able to feel that the Cubs are literally in the playoffs and the Diamondbacks are out at the end of the season because it was a and, one and game so difference. Arizona said going to the World Series. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Like it, there is some sheer randomness and pure dumb luck. The, the Padres kind of experienced it throughout the year. They were the complete opposite of the Marlins where they were terrible in one run games. They had a positive run differential and they finished three or four games out of the playoff spot. Like there is just some luck to that, but you also got to be able to overcome some of that luck on your own and the Cubs just weren't able to do that. Like, the, the, the Brewers, I'm sure, had some luck throughout the season that they were able to – or bad luck that they were able to overcome and, and that led, allowed them to win the division. You build some of those insurances, whether it's through depth options, whether it's through your bullpen, through your through a triple A, a starter that can come up and give you one good start. Like, those kinds of things you build into to where when it comes down to, oh, you, you that was a crummy loss because of the ball bonds this way, it doesn't really matter at the end of the year.
0: Yeah, and, I mean, it's always really hard to – produce in clutch situations right. when your bullpen is faded down the stretch. like That's a big part yeah. of, of clutch is your bullpen and having guys you can lock in. And as we said, I think that was a huge, huge factor moving yep. down the stretch the last few weeks for the Cubs is having a really tired, really worn down bullpen. Alright, Sam Alice asks, will we see P. Wizzy, Patrick Wisdom, in Pinstripes next season? For me, I do, but I don't know about others due to the combo of his contract, how he played offensively, and the errors he picked up. So that was Sam talking, not me.
1: Yeah. By the way. Okay. Yeah, I got it. Sure. Yeah. No, no.
0: Um, so Patrick Wisdom by MLB Trade Rumors is estimated in uh, arbitration next year is to make two point six million dollars. That's a pretty hefty price tag. I know right now they don't have a first baseman. Wisdom's probably the guy at first. Maybe you can form a wisdom Mervis platoon, but still two point six million arbitration for a guy who wasn't playing third base at all the last few months of this season, really saw his playing time dip was great, you know, can carry the team, you know, with his power at times, but still struggles, swings and misses quite a bit. His defense has taken a step back the last couple of years. Like it would be hard to see the Cubs pay that when every dollar counts, as you mentioned earlier in this podcast.
1: Yeah. It, it's that's the, that's the thing for me is like it, it, with the luxury tax and, and I, I anticipate the Cubs going over it, but like, do you really want to add on an extra 2.6 million that could, but like, maybe that's a, a veteran reliever that you get with that. Maybe even less than that money. Like I don't know. Like it, it it becomes interesting in that situation of like what what becomes to you is more, is a better use of, of your dollars. And down the stretch, he was only used against lefties, really. Whether those pinch hit, whether there's a lefty starter, like that was his that was his role. And are you paying that much for a left-handed platoon, or excuse me, a right-handed platoon option at third or first base, where the defense is isn't isn't up to par either, like maybe not and and i think yeah. that's what what becomes very interesting in terms of what the what the cubs decide to do with with Patrick Wisdom how great of a story has he's been like you remember in 2021 where he came up and it seemed like he was hitting he was doing what Christopher Morrell did this season and last season like he was just hitting a home run every single day it seemed yeah. like in carrying the cubs offense in 2021
0: well he even did that the first few weeks of this season yeah, too like yeah. i think it was him and Max Muncie were the leaders like 3 weeks into the year in yeah. runs so Yeah, definitely a great story. Um, I think it just depends on what else happens the rest of this offseason, which is difficult because the Cubs will have to make a decision pretty early on whether they'll tender him a contract or not. So stay tuned to see uh, what happens there. And then our buddy Mike Thiel. What's up, Mike? Uh, Thank you for asking this question here. Who are the guys that will likely need to be added to the 40-man next offseason to avoid going into the Rule 5 draft? Thinking about who might be trade deadline bait. So we kind of took this a couple of different ways. So we can, we looked at a couple of guys who are eligible for Rule 5 draft in 2024. So a year from now, next winter, Owen Casey, Ed Howard, BJ Murray, Riley Martin are, are some of the, probably the top four names on yeah. there. I would expect at least a couple of those, like Owen Casey, maybe BJ Murray to be protected. Riley Martin, left-handed relievers already, he was in AAA for a bit, struggled, I think, and then went back down to AA. He might, we might figure out his future this year. Right. Ed Howard as well. Like injuries have have taken its toll on him, yep. um, and then he struggled, I think, a bit just in the minor leagues coming up. So the jury's still out on Ed Howard, the twenty twenty first round pick. I, I don't know what'll happen, but since he's only played in a ball still, like I don't know that he'd even be a Rule Five draft that somebody yeah. other team will take a chance on him at this time next year.
1: Yeah, and as a, as a reminder, if you're taking the Rule Five draft, you have to be on the major league yeah. roster the whole season. You can't. They can't option you. They can't. Like you're on the the, the 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 major league roster. Yeah, 26 from day from opening day till the end of the season. So that's where and Owen Casey becomes really interesting because like even if he if, even if he doesn't debut in the major leagues in 2024, uh, if he's in Triple A and and hitting as well as he did at Double A. A team might take a fire on him and say, yeah. "Yep, like he's our left-handed platoon specialist. We'll, we'll we'll stash him as a bench option or maybe platoon option, whatever." It might be like he becomes an interesting guy. I uh, take: The Cubs will protect him. I think the Cubs will protect <laughs> it's like him too. Like the fourth or fifth best prospect. Right. Best right. Best right. Yeah. Like yes, they will. They they will protect him, um, but he does become maybe trade valuable, right? Like if the right deal, like uh, a left-handed bad option, like he does become uh, maybe an interesting yeah. piece in, in a trade uh, trade package.
0: Definitely. So then we, the other thing we did with Mike's question here was we looked back at guys who were eligible this winter. So there's quite a few. Um, there's a bunch who were eligible last winter and were not claimed. Darius Hill, Cam Sanders, Jonathan Perla- Perlaza, Chase Strumpf, Cole Franklin, Riley Thompson, and Jake Slaughter were all eligible last winter, were not claimed. All have had varying levels of success this year. Uh, I think Perlaza had an ex- he exploded at AAA, 130 weighted runs created plus. Switch hitting corner outfield, there's only 24, uh, played really well, like I said, at triple A. Chase Strump played pretty well at triple A as an infielder who could play mostly third and second. He's 25. He's a second round pick in 2019. Jake Slaughter's 27, so he's a little bit older, but had a pretty good season as well in triple A in 104 games. So I think those guys are definite options who are close knocking on the door of the big leagues. I don't know for sure if the Cubs will, will protect any of them because they weren't claimed last year. And because I don't really see great fits for those, like maybe Strum for Slaughter are are in the third base equation, but I think you still probably go into next season even if you don't sign anybody with like Morel, Mastroboni, and Madrigal at third, or maybe even Wisdom versus like you know handing the the reins to Strum for or, or Slaughter there.
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think your your current big league options under contract are, are, are more appealing than than maybe Strum for Slaughter. The only one that becomes really interesting to me as a potential Rule Five candidate is Perlaza last year he had a really good offensive season but he was in double a so like you could kind of see like okay like it's still a year away like maybe you don't want to take it well now he repeated basically those numbers in triple a mm-hmm. and so maybe a team sees that and it's like oh maybe that, that like maybe we can carry him on our on our roster the whole year and he can be an option i don't know if he i don't think there's a fit for him with the cubs uh it, clearly not in left field clearly not in right field can't really play center field so it's like
0: Unless he's like a DH type. Right, or like something. maybe yeah.
1: that's that's one of those those players that you kind of just – it's a tough pill to swallow if he gets taken in the real five draft. It's, if he gets taken in the real five draft, I think Luis Vasquez is kind of in a similar role where he's he was – a lot of people consider him the best glove in the, the Cubs farm system, which which is saying outside something. Of PC, yeah. Outside of PCA. Outside of PCA, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Outside of, it, yeah, yeah, which is saying something. But had a really good offensive season this year. I think he's kind of in a similar boat because, I mean, you're pretty good at second base you're pretty good at shortstop – where does he fit? You're probably not going to put him at third base either, given your your mm-hmm. your current major league outlook. Like I think those two guys are two guys. Maybe you, you just have to. It's a tough build to swallow, but maybe you say, you know, good good luck in in, in the Rule Five draft if they are taken.
0: Yeah, and I think left-handed reliever Bailey Horn is another option. He yes, got up yeah. to AAA. Um, he was in the Ryan Tepera trade from the White Sox. Is that yep, right? Yep. Yep. Uh, so he's he could. It, I think he'll certainly even be in the mix for the big league bullpen in spring training. I think he'll be in that competition. So I fully expect him to be protected this winter. All right, so last one here. Jacob Ellis asked the question, one likely award for each player. Uh, We kind of took this as like yearbook awards, like most likely to some some of those kind of superlatives. So we had some fun with this. So Andy, let's kind of go rapid fire here. Most likely to follow in David Ross's footsteps and be on Dancing with the Stars.
1: So I think we're going to, say similar answers. I'm gonna go with Patrick Wisdom. Always yeah, dancing pregame. Uh, I think he's probably got the best dance moves on the team.
0: Yeah, for sure. I agree with you hundred percent, I think, on that. Okay. All right. Most quotable.
1: So I'm gonna I think this this one might surprise people, but I'm gonna go Jameson Tion. He was pretty good. I thought he was great throughout the season from, from day one until the end of the season you always knew what he was thinking, what he was working on, what he was doing. He explained it in a way that everything kind of made sense. I thought he was just the the best quote on the team.
0: Yeah, I I think I'm going to say Jan Gomes here. I think, you know, dating back to, like, April, I remember him talking about what the team could be, and I think he just had really good uh, perspective on everything throughout the year. So, like, I I found myself using... Uh, Jan Gomes cool every single time we talk to him,
1: and I, I do want to add the caveat that I think there's so this was a tough one for me to pick. There's so many good quotes: yeah. Denzel Swanson, Ian Hap, Nico, Nico. Yeah, like it, there's there's a lot of options.
0: Yeah, for sure. Who would give out the best Halloween candy?
1: So. I'm a little biased. I would think I would pick Javier Asad because he'd probably hand out Mexican okay. candy that I love. So, like, I, I think that's it. But this was a tough one for me. I don't think there's a, there's a clear choice on this one.
0: I, I was thinking I, I bet Kyle Hendricks would because I could okay. see him. I mean, he's about to become a father. Um, I, His wife's due in December, I think. Uh, either way, sometime, yeah. like, coming up very, very soon. But uh, I could see him, like, dressing up in a costume. He and his wife sitting on the porch, like having big like king size candy bars and just like being super positive about every kid coming up about it. like uh, awesome costume. Like yeah. I could just see Hendrix doing that. Maybe he has already done that. Like I yeah. should ask him. Like that's what that's what he does already. Yeah. yeah. Very, very easy to visualize. So I would say that he probably like really gets geared up for it and has the best Halloween candy. Maybe even homemade candy. Like yeah. who knows. Yeah. Uh most likely become TikTok famous.
1: All right, you're this is this might surprise people you're way more active on TikTok than I am. So like I'll let you know. That go should first.
0: surprise people, yeah.
1: Like you're not the, the, the TikTok demographic.
0: I'm 36, I just realized that. 36 year old dad on TikTok. Yeah, exactly.
1: Man. So, what would your choice be? I'll let you go first.
0: Uh, Well, so you brought up, as we were talking about this, Jameson Tyone. There's like a coffee TikTok thing, and okay. people have really elaborate coffee drinks that they make. Tyone or Ian Hap would be pretty good on that. I feel like Morell would be just a lot of fun uh, on there as well, and Kyle Milanovich are our social guy, he said Edward Alizale. So like, I think those are all good choices for sure.
1: So I, I, I don't know. I'm not very active on TikTok, but I do remember one that came up on my feed of a guy fishing and trying to catch a big fish. So my immediate mind went to Justin Steele. Like I think with his, with his uh, Southern draw and, and just his persona, I think he would be, I, I think he would be a fun TikTok uh, star that could become one.
0: That would be pretty good. All right, most likely to roll out of bed and have perfect hair. This was a Kyle suggestion. Dansby Swanson, I think we all agree on that. There's no argument needed there. Most likely to be a pro athlete in another sport. I'm gonna say Morell on this. I think he's a great athlete. I could see him being a wide receiver in football, and I could also see Nico Horner being a pretty low-key good running back in football.
1: Morell's uncle played pro basketball in the DR. Really, okay. So I think that, I believe it's his uncle, maybe it was like a cousin. I'm pretty sure it was an uncle though. So like that that kind of ties into it. I know Dansby is a big football fan. I remember him talking to us about yeah. the Falcons. Mm-hmm. So like there, there, there was a there's a lot of ways we could have gone with that. Um, I, I I think I'll go with Merle too because he is just like the most one of the most athletic guys on the team for sure. Cody Bellinger and PCA also another quick nugget. Big soccer players growing up. Um, PCA still a big Chelsea FC fan, and and Cody Bellinger played pretty uh high level soccer growing up too
0: i could see stroman being a really good point guard too oh like, yeah, yeah i mean he's such a good athlete and like i feel like he could be pretty good and the way he moves like, yeah
1: he'd make sick behind the back passes, yeah I think. that would
0: be great uh most likely to have their own tv show
1: oh man i don't think i've come up with an answer yet for this one this yeah. one was tough so i uh, if you have one
0: uh yeah, I don't know that I really have. One. I feel like Ian Hap would just be good because he's he already has the podcast. That's probably mm-hmm. an easy layup answer. Yeah, but like he he understands the business aspect so much that if anybody I could see being on uh, like Saturday Night Live or guest starring in like a <clears throat> like a show, I could feel like Ian Hap would be the guy.
1: I think I'll go Adbert Alzely because I think like like he's he's very personable and like very very fun, charismatic guy. His wife's a, 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 a dietitian or, or works in, in, in food. Like I think like just their dynamic would, would cater to a lot and would be kind of fun to, to see, too.
0: Most likely to be a manager after their playing career. I think Jan Gomes is a really easy one
1: here. I, I think Jan Gomes is the yeah. super simple one. I mean, if, if I if I had to pick someone else, I'd, I'd say Dansby just because of how smart he is yeah. in baseball.
0: I could see Dansby or Nico doing or it as Nico, well. Or Nico, yeah. Yeah. All right, um, I swear I lied, that wasn't the last one. Um, We'll run through these last couple pretty quick here, though. Okay. Best moment of 2023 season. We've talked about this on a previous podcast, but we'll answer Alex's question.
1: Yeah, for me, it's the talkman catch in St. Louis. I thought that was the coolest moment I saw live um, throughout the season, and my really close second, I think, is going to be your first.
0: Yeah, Morrell walk-off against the White Sox. Like, that's a moment that I feel like I'll remember for a while. And it was one of those that I feel like as you're talking about, like, a playoff hopeful season, like, it was those that you remember. And then they didn't make the playoffs. But still, it was really epic. And, like, just the celebration, the drone shot we had in marquee was just so cool. Uh, So that was it for me. All right, so last one from Jackson. Favorite player to watch in the last decade of Cubs baseball? Andy.
1: So I think the, the obvious choice is Javi bias and I think he was, I mean, he was just so electric. Yeah. Think about the, the stealing of first bases in yeah, Pittsburgh, yeah. like, that was so much fun.
0: Even juggling the bubblegum in the playoffs. Right, like, yeah. right.
1: Like, there's so many things that he's done. I think a close second is, and it falls in the last decade, was Jake Arrieta in <sighs> 15 and 16. That's my, that so, was oh, okay. no, okay. go ahead. No, no, go I'll let you go for All it, because right. you, were, you right. were there first answer. So go That
0: was it. what I was going to say, so I was trying to, like, keep that as a, as a surprise, because that was what came to mind for me. That that run that he went on in 2015 and, like, covering it was incredible. Like, every single time out, you felt like the Cubs were going to win. That wild card game that he pitched in Pittsburgh was one of the greatest games that I've ever experienced. Uh, just, I've never seen that level of dominance. Like, never. Yeah. And to to witness it live, like, every time he started, I think of several, like, Sunday night baseball games that he pitched that he, like, shut down the Pirates or he had that no-hitter against the Dodgers and, like, all of these different things. It was just incredible and it was really really fun to watch and that 15 team was so fun to watch because of the way they they really ascended and and played themselves into 97 wins and won the wild Card series beat the Cardinals all of that stuff Arietta and 15 specifically was the some of the most fun that I have watching Cubs baseball in,
1: in the last decade and I, I think you're putting all I think it felt like not only were the Cubs gonna win but it was like, he might throw another no-hitter. Yeah. Like, he's going to go at least seven innings and no-hit ball. Like, yeah. It was just insane.
0: It was it was absolutely nuts. I mean, a zero seventy seven 77 ERA for the entire second half, like, yeah. absolutely bonkers for sure. All right, so that was that was really fun. That was our Cubs Weekly Mailbag Podcast. Thank you all for submitting questions. Uh, we hope we got to everybody. Sorry if we missed any of them along the way. But that'll do it for this week's edition of the podcast presented by Wintrust. Don't forget to download and subscribe to the pod wherever you get your podcast. And check us out in video form on the Marquee Sports Network app. For Andy, I'm Tony. Thanks for tuning in.